0: Whether you're a coach yourself or you're a self coached climber, it's vital that you remember this. You're a whole human before you're a rock climber. But as a coach, how do you support your athletes with this in mind? And how can you approach climbing while respecting your own mental health? And what can you do when dealing with injury? body image issues, or struggles with comparison to other athletes? These are big questions, so we grabbed ourselves an expert guest to help us answer them. In this episode, we're featuring Dr. Laura Pence. She holds a doctorate in clinical psychology and has over 23,000 clinical hours under her belt. She has helped all kinds of high achievers, from corporate execs to pro athletes and coaches across many sports and disciplines whether you're a coach yourself, or you want to be your best compassionate self coach. If you want to train hard and not get burnt out, beat yourself up or spread yourself too thin, this episode is a must listen. So sit back and relax. You're listening to The Average Fiber Podcast. All right, Dr. Laura. I'm waiting with bated breath. What is the fun fact that you have brought us today? <laughs>
1: well, I feel like I had to follow up on the, the buttload um, <laughs> that you all talked about in one of your episodes. Ooh, we love
0: continuity. One. Okay, yes, I, right. I know,
1: and this is like a great cocktail one too, which is um, which is a jiffy is an no. actual unit of time. Like what? do you know like you know how people say like do that in a jiffy or like you <gasps> know they reference it it is one one hundredth of a second it is an <gasps> actual unit of time
0: no way. I know <laughs> that's so fun oh my god I know I so when not. I kid when
1: I say to my kids like you got to do that in a jiffy and they you know take twelve minutes I'm like that was not a jiffy but, that like,
0: was not no that wrong. was
2: very got to do it in a, a peanut butter smear and you go. Which is like really <laughs> yeah.
0: ironic because I don't feel like peanut butter is a fast condiment. No. Like, no, it's, it's very slow. Like, I don't know.
1: No, like wildly snow. Yes. Like yeah. yeah. Like, Long like what's like a fast,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. like, vinegar is a fast condiment. They should, it should be Jiffy vinegar. Like, you know what I mean? It's easy. Like, or worse, Worcestershire. Fuck it. We're that s- one. Shire. Sh- 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 <laughs> just go shi sh- <laughs> sauce. shire sh- on your sauce. <laughs> that one's fast, <laughs> and it comes out too fast. In or soy sauce, very fast condiment. Or the ketchup
2: yeah. after you've been hitting it for five minutes. Or oh. just
0: mustard when it needed to be shaken and you didn't, and then it just, like, spritz mustard. Water. Juice yeah. everywhere, and you're like, ah, <laughs> my bread is ruined. Oh, wow. Everyone cleanse that from your mind because that shit is infuriating <laughs> shake your mustard bottle jiffy actually fast wow can you imagine yeah. doing like a real you're like doing a scientific paper and you did everything in, in a, j- a jiffy jiffies. oh my I god it's of jiffies. people be pissed i'm surprised my engineering professors didn't do that to me they literally sometimes in college would like i don't know if either of you have dealt with this i feel like i had to do more unit analysis than y'all but they would just like put stuff in annoying as fuck units just to like See if they could get you. you. And I'm like, this exam is an hour. I don't want to be just converting the whole time. And also, if I was in real life as an engineer, I would just convert this by like, typing it into Google, probably. And that would be faster than like crossing out of the anyways. Yeah, you guys great, had to dimensionally great. analyze at some point, but anywho, all right? <laughs> yeah, Hello, I about that. Huh? Hello yeah, everyone. Yeah. a jiffy. There you have it. That was an I excellent and fast great. fun fact, um, which is good because we have <laughs> a, a lot buttload of stuff to talk uh, about today. And it will uh, be a jiffy. <laughs> yes, and it will not be a jiffy at all. There's so much. Um, I feel I already feel like a sequel episode coming on, and we haven't even started. Um <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. I am Lauren. I'm a certified personal trainer and climbing coach, and I am the founder and head coach of Good Spray Coaching. Caitlin, would you care to introduce yourself?
2: Yes, I am Caitlin Holmes. I am a certified nutrition specialist, and we have quite the episode for you today. But before we introduce you to Dr. Laura. Uh, yes. Okay, oh, I'm just sorry. pointing
0: with my hand because I'm excited. Caitlin, like, paused because I, like, raised my pointer, pointer finger. But I'm like, Dr. Laura. And I just am excited. Okay. But it doesn't. Okay. Irrelevant. Caitlin, keep going. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh- <laughs>
2: This is an audio medium. (laughs) (laughs) Before we introduce you to Dr. Lara, we wanted to remind you to leave us a review. This helps us so, so much. So if you are a Spotify listener, just go in, hit the stars that you think we deserve. Hopefully it's... five. Yeah, (laughs) five, five five star climbs all around, especially our podcast. Uh, But also, if you are an Apple podcast listener, go to the show page and leave us a review there. We love hearing from y'all. So if you do that and we feature you on an episode, we will send you a sticker. So then you can email us and you get some really fun, cute little stickers from the show. And and you also get this big shout out, which I think is pretty fun. So there you have it.
0: (laughs) All right. So drum roll, please. Um, I'm so (laughs) excited to introduce our guest today. Today we have with us Dr. Laura Pence. She has her doctorate in clinical psychology as well as her MBA. She has spent over 23,000 clinical hours with clients working with CEOs, executives, eating disorder patients, and professional athletes. Recently, she has been building the Coaches Collective, a group of coaches from across sports and disciplines learning to leverage psychological concepts in order to coach better. She is also a runner and a self-proclaimed average climber, just like us. And she's also a wife and a mom of two boys. So she's got a shit ton going on and we're so excited to have her and have her take time out of her busy schedule welcome welcome dr laura is there did i miss anything is there anything you want to add um, oh to my gosh yourself?
2: no absolutely not <laughs> yeah, no, that
1: is enough that is definitely enough it's always like when when someone's reading your bio when you're kind of like oh, make them make them stop make them stop, like, stop. oh my god <laughs> yeah you yep. just want
0: to, yeah 100 you're like i just have had a whole lifetime to get all that done don't mind me uh, <laughs> yeah. so exactly that, exactly that is awesome Laura, before we get into the episode, would you like to tell us a little bit about how you got into climbing and a little bit about like yourself as a climber? <laughs>
1: I would love to tell you. In fact, oh. I could just use the whole hour to just talk yeah. about that quite What frankly. makes you so average?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I always feel bad asking, like, I've made the joke before. I'm like, I always feel bad asking, like, really good climbers to come on. And I'm like, I'm not saying you're like a mediocre rock climber. No, I mean, I will be 100.
1: Name. I will be totally honest with you. Like, I've definitely been on some other podcasts, and by far, this is the one that I was most excited to tell my sons <gasps> about because I'm like, I'm on a climbing. And then my <laughs> oldest goes, my oldest goes, why? <laughs> and I was like, How Oh,
0: <laughs> <What is laughs> <the hell?
1: laughs> oh god. And then he asked if he could guest spot. He's like, Can I come? I'm like, no, 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 dude. All about me today. Like, it's um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Um, that is
2: so funny. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, listen, I so when we we lived in Dallas for 10 years, um, my husband with my two kiddos, and we four and a half years ago. Um, decided to move to Colorado. Like we both, I mean, I, at that point, had an in-person private practice doing clinical Mm -hmm. work with clients. Um, And he traveled for work so he was on and off the road all the time and really just needed a major airport and I was kind of like maybe I could just do this virtually and this was before COVID like before everything went virtual ahead of of time
2: yeah yeah um
1: and as much as I love some parts of Dallas like the food and the art scene is actually wildly enough pretty great um it was not our jam like, we mm-hmm. love being outside. Like, we love um, – I don't know. Just – it felt kind of like the concrete jungle. So Not
0: melting in the summer? Yeah. Like, not melting? Yeah, We appreciated, like, actually <laughs> being able to
1: enjoy a popsicle as opposed to, like, have it all over our hands. Licking it off <laughs> our hands. Ugh. So we kind of did that. Like, we felt – I mean, we're so lucky that we were able to do this. We were kind of like, where should we go? <gasps> um, wow. And we found ourselves in Col- – I was born in Colorado. Actually, I was born in Montrose. So we found ourselves in Colorado – picked Fort Collins, which is just, just like one of the greatest places on the planet. Um, and the first weekend we were here, right across from our neighborhood is the climbing gym.
2: No and, way. Um,
1: oh yeah, And so we were like, let's go. Like, we don't have anything else to do because we don't know this town at all. Like there was nothing else that brought us here. Um, and so we went and I mean, like kind of the rest is history a little bit. Like we, I mean, I just got totally that. totally yeah. got hooked. My son, my oldest son was like, oh yes, please.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: Pretty like, Knock yourself
0: out. out. How old, how old was he when he like got to go to the gym? Eight.
2: Oh, Eight. perfect, oh, perfect. perfect. Yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> that was my move. Yep.
0: Whenever I like would babysit, if I could like get the parents to let me drive the kids to the climbing gym to like. Oh. wear them out babysitter yeah well I just (laughs) like I would literally belay two top ropes and then they'd be like I'm so tired and then we get ice cream and they would pass the fuck out and I was like I did it done (laughs) by the way
1: very similar strategy today with me um (laughs) yeah it was great though so that I mean really that's it and then like he started my oldest started joined the competitive team and started doing that and I just um I mean, I like I'm a runner too, so I would run outside a lot. And I don't love going to like a gym to run. Um Fair. but admittedly in the winter when it gets really cold and I don't yeah. really want to like fall on the ice, I was like, well, I should run somewhere, yeah. but the gym out of or the climbing gym out of treadmills. So it all worked wow. out and lo and behold, I found myself falling in love with the wall. So
2: Yeah, it, you got the it bug. So it happens That's awesome. so fast, you know? I did, I did. <laughs> wait. So
0: how long ago was that? That was four and a half years ago. Yeah. Four and a half years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. so your oldest is twelve. Okay, that that makes sense. That he yeah he'll be thirteen he next to be on the podcast. Okay, yes, yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> adds, yeah. uh-huh. it all makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay, it adds up. That's awesome. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Well, that's yeah. so fun. Are you? Do you and your son ever like work on problems together and try to like? Oh, I stuff embarrass out? him to no end.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, well, I well, bring him. I will bring him for like the beta. <laughs> like I'll try something, have no idea how to do it, and then. He'll walk in and I'll be like, can you just get on and show me? You know, and he makes it look like, like what, what, why would you not understand how to do this? But he's very kind about it. Like he's very sweet about it. Aww, um, so he just tells me all the things and tells me all the ways to do things. And, um, and then my youngest now has gotten really, he's gotten into it too. So I've got two That's that are like,
2: so awesome.
1: they're so great. They're at the, you know, they're watching from below and they're like, come on, mom, come on. <laughs> okay (laughs) i know
2: they're so cute
1: they're really sweet so
0: yeah oh that's such a blast i love Mm -hmm. that well I let's know. get into our questions because, Caitlin, I don't know about you, but selfishly, I'm like, I'm ready to learn to be a better oh, coach today. Yeah. On this I've, interview, so. I've done enough <laughs> internet
2: stalking. I want to hear from the source now. So, yes, <laughs>
0: let's go. Okay. Shall, do you want to kick us off with our first question, Caitlin?
2: <laughs> yeah, I would love to. So, these are, I guess, probably pretty broad, maybe very specific <laughs> questions, <laughs> but we're, we're trying to take a comprehensive ap- approach because we know that you work with a lot of coaches. So I think mm-hmm. coming from that perspective, you know, listener, I'm, I'm basically saying like, there's still so much that I think you can glean from this. So, mm-hmm. um, but we're going yeah. to ask from the, the coach perspective, because we're really curious about how you educate educators, if that makes sense. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah, so a really big, I guess, first initial question we have is what are the common threads or common things that coaches need help with in regards to helping athletes with mental health?
1: Yeah. So I love that this is the first question because I think that this really sort of like dives into what I most importantly want coaches to know about mm-hmm. like their role as a coach. Um, because what I hear most from coaches is that they're not sure and feel uncertain about
0: whether they even have the credibility to talk yeah. about mental health. With their yeah. That's scope, scope of practice feels so mm. like... Mm-hmm you know, you want it to be a clear cut, but also like sometimes that can feel really sticky and you don't want to like overstep, uh, make something worse on accident. And, you know, like there's a legality of it all too. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have any, like, I guess my, (laughs) my first question is like, how do you help coaches like define what their scope is? Or are there like rules of thumb that you kind of like impart to people on what, yeah <laughs> yeah question. I think
1: <laughs> it's a great question because well number one I do think it's it's a little gray and like whenever we're in the gray area we get uncomfortable right I mean that's just like we like things totally. to be cer- we like things to be certain and by the way, our brain does too you know it's like in kindergarten when the shape didn't match the other shapes we're like,, well, we're just gonna like swipe that off the table and not deal with that shape—the like circles and the <laughs> yeah. squares yeah, and like,
0: the triangles make I'm sense. I'm over X hexagons. I'm five. <laughs> Moving on. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so we we like things that can kind of be put in categories very neatly, and when something mm-hmm. can't, we get uncomfortable. And so, typically, like our response when something is uncomfortable is to like just opt out. And so, I think yeah. what I see a lot of coaches doing, and not because they, not because they're not well intentioned but is sort of like the opting out like oh i think it'd be better if you saw a therapist about that or that's really out yeah. of my scope of practice mm-hmm. and mainly because of those like two fears two primary fears one of which you already named one of which is like can i even go in there like am i allowed to like can i talk about this with this client and and also yeah. like if i do What if it makes it worse? What if I say the wrong thing? Like, what if it opens up the big can of worms and then I really have no idea how to address it? Um, So, I think, you know, one of the things that I talk about with coaches is that mental health is not mental illness. And so, when we're talking about mental health, We're just talking about the human being, (laughs) like the human being human, the human experience, right? Um, We're talking about this enormous circle that includes things like job satisfaction and relationship fulfillment and self-care and burnout and balance and social participation. Like- we're talking about what it means to be human when we're talking about mental health. Um, okay. Mental illness is when we have a disorder or, or a mental illness that like kind of takes us out of life or really impacts our life in a, in a different way. So when I think coaches are asking like, well, can I even like address mental health? Yeah, that's addressing the human. Um. So I think that's mm-hmm. the thing that I want really first and foremost with like love coaches to hear is that mental yeah. health is really just about – Getting to know the human before you get to know the athlete and getting to know, like, the different circumstances that impact the human that's in front of you or virtually on, you know, whatever platform yeah. you're using, <laughs> um, as opposed to, like, thinking about them in terms of mental illness. Like, mental health is not mental illness, if that makes sense.
2: That makes sense. So much sense. I mean, we could end here and I'd be like, wow, I learned so much. (laughs) Wow. uh, Bar is low. (laughs) The thing is, like, as a nutrition professional, I think there's so much overlap with the mental side of things. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. it gets really fuzzy. What is allow it probably gets even about. like
0: fuzzier for you than me honestly caitlin too just with like mm-hmm. how much body image and like yeah like ordered eating habits in impact the way people eat yeah as well there's a lot
2: of like the the mental side of things the emotional side of things and it's hard to bridge that gap with like nutrition therapy and then other therapy and i I've definitely struggled with just kind of like offloading it and saying like, Oh, talk to your therapist about that. But sometimes that's not the right answer. Like it's, I think people come to you for a reason. They want to talk about very specific things with you if they're bringing it up. So I think it's, it's so interesting to hear you say that that is different because treating the human, treating the human being, the athlete, I think is such a, great way to think about that yeah that's I'm kind of mind blown
0: (laughs) yeah okay I have some like perhaps this is highly practical but I'm also curious so like with my athletes that I coach like on a more custom plan and like more one-on-one type of basis Mm -hmm. I sort of have like I have a pretty robust intake form and like per the guidance of my personal trainer certification and with just like safety and yada yada I ask people like are there any medications that you're taking usually it's like this is just to make sure that if I give you like, you know, a lot of cardio or something, which I don't usually do, but like if I did to make sure that like you don't have some kind of you know contraindication with what you're taking sure. whatever. it's just like a good practice. But yeah, do you is. think, um, like for coaches, would it be like, are there any kind of like questions that you feel are like really powerful to ask like at the start of a coaching relationship, or would it be good to ask like, like, some of my clients that I know, like, and I struggle with ADD to some degree too. I like recently got diagnosed, but some of my clients that like let me know they have ADD, I'm like, oh, the way I'm going to write stuff, like, that is going to impact the way I want to like write your pro. Like, just to give an example, like, are yeah. there any like examples of that or any like questions that you really like to ask that will kind of like put the coach in a feeling of like being empowered to help athletes with their mental health or help them like work? with a mental illness too. Yeah, absolutely. Being HIPAA and wrong or whatever about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think why, first of all, I love the fact that you've mentioned like onboarding and just that initial process of getting to know your athlete, because I think that coaches can be much more intentional and robust about that process. Um, I mean, I was just talking to someone today that like, if you don't, if you don't get to know the human, you will never be able to coach the athlete in the way that you want to. Because if you don't get to know, for example, that this human has a set of newborn twins at home and a husband who travels for work, how are you going to write a training plan that's adaptive to their life, right?
0: Oh my God.
2: <laughs> like, how does that person exact- adapt like?
0: Right. You could, you could have the exact same athlete with the exact same goals and like, like, and I would write those two plans totally differently. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Or if
1: you don't know, for example, that this individual, um, lost their father a month ago you know like how how are you how are you going to reconcile how grief might be showing up in their training or in their body which impacts their training right so i think that like getting to know the human is a really important part and you can start from that very beginning from that onboarding process um i think listen if we want to if we want to be able to talk about mental health and mental illness in a more comfortable way we have to ask about it we have yeah. to ask about and I think we're it's okay. If they don't want to tell you, they won't tell you. It's just as yeah. easy as that. But it's not an intrusive question. I mean, it's it's not, you know, we're not asking, like, tell me what your period looked like today, which by the way, sometimes we should be asking. You know what I mean? I it's do. like
0: <laughs> exactly I like what's your poop right like? Tell <laughs> me literally. <Exactly. laughs> Is it a square? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: So I think when you think about your onboarding process, I think it's really important, like, to get to know the human. So I think asking about, like, you know, have you been in therapy before? Are you currently in therapy? Um, Mm. What medications are you taking? Have you ever been diagnosed with a mental illness? I think is an appropriate question to ask. Um, And then I also think it's important, and this can either come through a questionnaire or through that, like, first initial meeting that you have Mm -hmm. with a client, to ask, like, what matters to them. Like, what keeps you up at night, you know? Um, and what, like, makes – what makes you feel really good? Like, when do you feel most at peace? Um, I think these are just, like, though, just even those questions, like, you really get to understand somebody a little bit better. I'm a big proponent – I talk about it all the time um, – of understanding somebody's values – You know, like what is the system at play that they use to make decisions? Um, In the Coaches Collective, the group that you mentioned when introducing me, we talk about like an exercise that you can do with your athletes to help them identify their values because they may not even know. Um, So I think like those kinds of things can just be really helpful in beginning to open up basically your arms to say like, I want to know lots about you. Not just what you can do on the wall, but like, I want to know about your life so that I can better adjust what I ask you to do on the wall in a different way.
0: Yeah, that is so, makes so much sense. Um, Can you actually, to go into that, uh, just for those of us that love examples, can you like give an example of like what? an athlete's value system might be and how you oh, might sure. like, ad- you know, like, not that you have to tell me how you would strength train them or something, but like how that might impact. Like, if, I don't know if you have like an example off the top of your head, but I think that would be really interesting if you do. Yeah, that. for sure. About, for sure. Yeah.
1: So let's say for example, um, somebody's value is adventure.
0: Okay. Oh yeah. I'm using me as an example. We do that on this podcast all the time. Perfect. Right? Okay. So
1: let's say that they they identify up front that one of their values is adventure. And one of the things that when I talk about this with coaches, because I also think it's really important for coaches to know their values, to know how to coach from a position of value. Right. Um, And so, for example, like if you're a coach and one of your values is honesty, but you're not being honest with your athlete about what you think might be going on for them, you're not in alignment with your value. Right. So one of the things that I think is important is to like understand that the reason that we talk about values is that when we value something, but our behavior is not in alignment with that value when it's like over here and it creates this... I know that you have listeners, so I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to like say it through words as opposed to through <laughs> my hand behaviors. Uh,
2: we do the same thing.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. When like it creates hands, this... I'm like, you can't see this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like when you say you value this, but actually you're doing this over here, it creates this gap. And in this yes. gap is where we find anxiety and depression and eating disorders and exercise addiction. And like, you know, this is where the conflict begins to you're up. So the point mm-hmm. of knowing your values is so that you can align your behaviors with your values and feel more in alignment. So let's say, for example, you have an athlete who identifies that adventure is a value, and you notice um, in their reporting of their training and what they're doing, and you know how they're um, how they're training, that they're not that number one, they're not really taking any risks or number two, they seem to be doing the same thing over and over again. Um, So maybe they're like constantly going to the gym as opposed to maybe trying to climb outside or trying to climb to Mm. a climb at another gym or something of that nature to be able to say to them like, Hey, I remember that one of the values you mentioned in the beginning of our work together was adventure. I'm curious how it feels like adventure is showing up in your training. And then if they say, like, gosh, mm. actually, I don't really know. I, my training actually doesn't feel very adventurous. It feels, like, really just predictable and consistent. And, um, and I like that. But maybe you're right. Maybe I am craving adventure. And then you're like, great. Let me let me assign – I'm not sure what the language you use all the time. But, like, <laughs> let me offer some training that maybe gives you a greater sense of adventure. Right. And then you can kind of get creative a little bit about what you offer them and then they can feel more in alignment with their value.
0: Yeah. That's such a great, honestly, such a poignant point about climbers. It's funny though, because usually what happens with climbers is they'll, they're like, I'm going to buckle down and get on a training plan. And I'm going to actually get in the gym and do stuff, especially my climbers that have tons of access to outdoor climbing. But then they're just like, I didn't actually do my training. (laughs) Usually it's like the opposite discussion of like, okay, how can we like make adventure happen, but still like, but yeah, no, that's such a good, Mm -hmm. that's such a great example and such a good point. And so like, yeah, that's, that's wonderful.
2: Yeah. What do you, I mean, in your experience too, and from the coaches you have worked with, Mm -hmm. have you had the experience where people will say, Oh, well, you know, this is kind of a you know a, a bigger more like holistic way to approach coaching you know a lot of people when I think they hire coaches they're like give me my training plan I'm done like let me just do it and that's it but this feels like a more nuanced approach that mm-hmm. treats the whole athlete so what would you say to a coach or a professional who works with athletes when you know they're coming in and people just expect them to kind of give them a training plan like this you know, I know people maybe would be attracted to this type of coaching if it's in the marketing, but what if a client is coming in and they're like, Whoa, well, hold on. I don't want to talk about value systems here. This isn't therapy. Do you have any thoughts? There? Oh yeah. <laughs> like people
0: that are just like, I didn't come here to have feelings. I came here to muscle. That's such a thing too, where you're like, tell me how you're feeling right now. I love the, like, no shade to my athletes that just put like one word answers for everything on their plane, And I'm like, I appreciate your lack of verbosity, and maybe you're not a big writer. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, can I have a little more? <laughs> so yeah. That's, uh-huh. Yeah. How do you get? Yeah. That's a, that, Caitlin's a question. <laughs> no, it's a really great question because I do
1: think that, um, well, number, I, I guess one thing I would say is that I think a lot of the coaches who are who gravitate towards the coaches collective, for example, are really interested in in coaching being more than just giving a totally. training plan. You yeah. know? Yeah. So they want to contribute more than that. They want to give their athletes more than that. And many of the coaches that I work with are also very well aware of the mind-body connection and that like training is only gonna give you get you so far and like. The goals that you want for yourself are only going to be achieved so much if it's just about a training plan. Um, I mean, I'm sure, Caitlin, you experience this too with your clients in terms of like, if I just give you a meal plan, like I can do that. But
0: right. like maybe
1: we also maybe we also need to talk about like why you're so afraid of the cupcake or like how come yeah. carbohydrates to you have become this big nasty thing, right? Um, right. So I think from that perspective, like, listen, there are going to be coaches out there that are just really invested in just giving a training plan, just, and that's okay. You know, that is, those coaches exist. I, having worked with a lot of like elite and professional athletes who have had really powerful relationships with their coaches, both powerful in ways that have been harmful and both powerful in ways that have been so helpful to them, have seen that the more, helpful, powerful coaches are the ones that invest in things other than just a training plan. They're the ones that invest yeah. in really coaching the whole human. And so I think for each coach, it's really a question of like, your why? Like, why are you Why are you doing this? Like, why are you coaching? How come? Like, what about this matters to you and is meaningful to you? Um, and if it's about you want your athletes to know that, like, they can achieve great, wonderful things, just like maybe you have realized that you've been able to achieve, even if it's an average climber achievement, which by right. the way is an amazing <laughs> achievement. It's like, you these things help. These things are really, really helpful along the way and can really create, like, a powerful experience for the athlete. So I think yeah. that's I think that's like yeah. the best way for me to answer that.
0: I'm gonna give like a tangible example just to vouch for people that are like, I don't wanna talk about the deeper reasons why behind things. Mm-hmm. Um so Caitlin and I are I'm training Caitlin right now for our trip to Joe's Valley um at the time this is being recorded and I'm in the process of triple sporting my ass off and taking a lot less rest days than I usually do um so i was like caitlin i need accountability from you and caitlin was like i also need accountability from you anyways we have a weekly call on tuesdays where we hold each other accountable for doing our shit which is so fun um but something that like caitlin was talking to me she was like i think like you could eat more carbs and then i like mentioned offhanded i was just like oh i just like feel like feel bad about like fruit leathers Not that, like, I think fruit leathers are bad, but, like, the guilt was coming from, like, oh, I just feel like this isn't good enough, and I feel like I need more carb diversity, and it's, like, lame that I just want to, like, shove a bunch of fruit leathers in my climbing bag instead of, like, having an apple with peanut butter and, like, a bunch of different variety of carb snacks, and Caitlin was like, why are you feeling guilty about this? And I was just like, it feels like I'm not... Whatever. But then I uncovered, I was like, oh, this is like an all or nothing mindset where I'm like, oh, if I can't have perfect carb diversity and like beautiful snacks, then I'll just like bring like nothing. Then I'm doing (laughs) nothing and I'll have no carbs or like no extra carbs in my session. And Caitlin was like, that's silly. And also your like overall nutrition is like pretty diverse and in a good place. So if like, you just need to like smash like an extra four fruit leathers to like fit more carbs in, then like, fuck it, do it and don't feel bad about it. And I was like, oh, this wasn't about fruit leathers. This was about guilt and shame (laughs) and perfectionism. (laughs) Like the fruit leathers weren't the problem. They were like a symptom of the problem. And I think like, and then I just like shoved five fruit leathers into my purse yesterday and just like had a double training session day and ate all of them. And I was like, great, I feel better. And all my sessions were good, right? So it's just kind of like really funny. Like, I don't know, but this is just my PSA to athletes. If your coach, whether it's me or Caitlin or someone else that you're working with, like offers the opportunity to like dig into something, like lean in and let Let them them. do their thing. Like let them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, when I work with athletes, so much of like the, how they operate as an athlete is, is, is mental. I mean, and then not just mental, but like emotional and psychological. And so, I mean, the way This is the best way that I describe it to athletes, too, that I work with. Like, whenever you are asking your physical body to do something, you are taking your mental, psychological, and emotional, like, a piece along the way. Like, it's coming with you, whether you want it to or not. Mm. Like, you don't get to leave mm. it out. And so it, it, the best way for you to capitalize on that is to understand the mental side and the psychological side and the emotional side, because otherwise you're just dragging along this weight. Like it's my, mu- you're cause it's coming with you no matter what. Right. So I think like from that perspective for coaches to really be able to like coach from knowing, from knowing period, like from knowing that from understanding that. Um, and again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean they need to be their therapist, but I think coaches, should step into and lean into actually the power that they have and use it for good in being able to integrate some of the mental and psychological and emotional pieces alongside the way. Like, to me, it's just, I mean, this is probably like provocative for me to say, but it's just better coaching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm like, also, <laughs> I to say something
0: even more provocative sorry men but also not sorry i think more women coming into the coaching space and bringing like some of the i don't know dr laura you probably have like a better way of saying this but just like bringing some of the more like emotional intelligence or just the fact that women are conditioned to like be allowed to have feelings which is also not great for men like the patriarchy is a problem for everyone um but like yeah i think it is really cool to see like i was actually just talking to a couple of other like women coaches on a coffee date this week and i was like you know it's been cool to see how like women coaches in the climbing industry have done like more like approaching coaching like more holistically and also kind of like creating more communities for Mm -hmm. athletes to join in and like more space to talk about like mindset and fear and all these things um and I just think it's like a really cool thing that I've seen like generally also I'm biased because I'm a female coach and I'm like girl power fuck yeah but like you know it's been cool to see like the feminine side of things like coming in and it's not just the like finger strength raw like energy of you know past coaching which I think is like really cool so oh I'll one up you on provocative but (laughs) I think it's a really good thing yeah Um, well and yeah
2: something that you said about like bringing bringing it with you I feel like even for me as an athlete and you know like working with people I don't think I've ever really seen it as something that like I can take with me it's something that I have to take Mm. with me it's like it feels like a ball and chain versus almost like holding hands with my best friend you know what I mean like it's Mm. like I feel like if I can bring it with me in a way that doesn't have this opposition with it it's more like okay how do I work with myself in this instance and I think if I were to I mean this is why I work with Lauren because I think she does this really well but like if I were to work with someone who was just like here's your training plan get out I'd be like I need more I need some coddling (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) like Mm -hmm. and I also think this is why it's so important to like find someone that like you just like feel like you jive with because like any like not like I think a lot of people can learn like the nuts and bolts of like writing a quality training plan like climbing coaching is like It takes, you know, and probably Caitlin, you feel this, maybe feel the same way. It's like, you can get through nutrition school and like know all the things, but learning how to like apply it, write sessions for people or like write, like knowing how to like (laughs) dial it for like what the person needs, I feel like is more of the art of coaching and also learning how to like motivate and knowing when to push and knowing when to not like, I don't know, just the more I, the more I coach um, and the more I just like see this, the more I feel like that's the part that like can really make you a good fit for an athlete or like, not like if, if you jive with, if you know, an athlete fits your coaching style, then it's like really good. So it's okay to like keep looking for people until you find the right person that like motivates you, gets you and understands you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, what you just said is also very true of my field. Like you can go and you Mm. can get a master's or you can get a PhD and then you can just apply the knowledge. Like you can perform, you know? Um, and I'll be, I mean, in full transparency, probably the first like four years of my career, that's what I did. I like well, performed as a therapist, you know? <laughs> yeah. wow. Um, And then I realized that like, hmm, shit, this isn't working very well. Um, Like <laughs> yeah. I am not, number one, I'm not showing up in the way that like I want to, because I really mm. want to connect to this person and be silly and laugh and like kind of be snarky with them a little bit or sarcastic. And like, <laughs> and here I am like spitting off, cognitive distortions like that doesn't feel like me and so <laughs> i started to really like move away from the idea that i always needed to provide solutions and operate more to just generate questions and i was mm. like yes like this is who i this is who i am and so i think like what i what i think coaches really need to do is be curious about like their own coaching style too. And like what fits them and like, how do they want to coach? And from what approach do they want to take? And what position do they want to take? And, you know, where do they want to lean in and feel really confident? And where do they want to be able to say to their athlete, like, I'm not sure. And I don't know. I say that to my clients, you know, they'll say like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I am not sure. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I am not sure. But I'm going to think on that, and I'll get back to you about it, you know? Yeah. So I think, like, I think part of the process, too, just for coaches is to be able to, who are interested in doing this, who are interested in, from my perspective, like, you know, coaching from a more meaningful and better position, is to be really curious about, like, their why and what they they want out of this, too, other than just, you know, revenue.
0: Yeah. 100%. well, I think that puts us in a good stopping place for a little break. And after the break, we're going to talk about injuries, disordered relationships with food, and failure. It's going to be Wild. fun in a weird <laughs> way, uh, but in, like, a nice way. Get excited. All Bring right. out the party hats. <laughs> Bring out the kazoo. Get your kazoo. We're talking about really <laughs> light stuff. Um. All right. Catch y'all after the break. Uh, You know what movie scenes really spoke to me growing up? The makeover montages. Like Lizzie McGuire going on a shopping spree with her pop star icon twin. Or Cady Heron's good girl gone bad transformation in Mean Girls. Or better yet, Anne Hathaway's iconic bangs in The Devil Wears Prada. I actually tried out those bangs in 8th grade. Turns out, they don't look so hot when you have a massive cowlick in the middle of your forehead. Anyways, the fact is that I love a good makeover. I like seeing how a few simple tweaks can lead to a stunning before and after. And though I'm no Hollywood fashion guru, I've started a little makeover game of my own. With training plans, of course. Every week, I take an audience member's training plan and offer the adjustments needed to take it from alright to excellent. Inside of the weekly training plan makeover, I take you step-by-step through the how and why behind my recommendations that you can watch in a short, actionable video. The catch, this is only available to those on my email list. So if you want to get the weekly training plan makeover delivered straight to your inbox, or maybe even get a training plan makeover of your own, then make sure to get signed up for the weekly training plan makeover at the link in our show notes. All right, Laura, I want to ask you about helping athletes when they get injured, because unfortunately, no matter what sport you do, and no matter how safe you are and how smart you are about training, like injury, injury to me is just a kind of the price you pay for wanting to do sports. Unfortunately, like sometimes they're going to be little and sometimes they're going to be big. Um and yeah, I've definitely worked with plenty of athletes that have had like very sudden and sometimes traumatic and sometimes like Mm -hmm. really messed up injuries. And I'm just wondering, like, what kind of education do you provide coaches when helping athletes work through an injury?
1: Yeah. So this goes back actually to what I said in terms of like, you know, in any physical endeavor, you take your mind along for the ride. So one of the Mm -hmm. things that I help coaches understand, which they know, maybe I just put it in different language or context, is that like any physical injury has a mental injury alongside it. Mm, and that's so huge. um <laughs> you guys are so funny. Whenever I say anything, you like lean back. We're like <laughs> snapping, like, <it's> <laughs>
0: like, like, <laughs> yeah. Feel like I'm at like beat poetry hour. I'm like, mm, yes, tell Dr. me. Dr. L beat poetry.
2: Love it. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh my god.
2: Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, but that, but I think that that's like you know, because coaches appropriately so are really focused on the physical piece of things, right, that like totally. what happened, mm-hmm. and you know what. What do you need to do in treatment and recovery, you know, and um, are you doing all the right things and like that kind of thing. So, um, but I think that they forget that they're, or not only, not necessarily forget, but just need reminders at times that like that mental injury piece is there as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's really common. I mean, I think this is where coaches just need to sort of like step into their own experience too, that injuries are hard. They're really hard. They're rough. Um, And so to be able to, like, tolerate that a little bit and not immediately want to make it better for the athlete. So not immediately want to step in and be like, oh, my gosh, I know it's so horrible, but you'll be back in, like, three or four. Like, this will – you'll be fine, right? It's, like, oftentimes the athlete is just like, yeah, but it sucks. So I think it's really important to, like, to sit with them in the suck a little bit, you know, to yeah. validate that, like, yeah, you it like does.
2: Peer support almost at 100%.
1: In yeah, 100%. And they need that and they don't need you to go away, you know, because the other thing that I've seen sometimes is, like, coaches will kind of disappear when there's an injury. Um, and, like, when, you know, it's like, when you get better, let me know and I'll come back don't go away. You know? Um, I mean, I understand that in some situations like an athlete may not want to pay for coaching services if literally like they have a broken leg and they can't do much. Um, but I do think that, that that's even then, I think if a coach coach coaches is wanting to continue to connect with their athlete, like, I think that's appropriate to do so, to be able to check in every once in a while, send emails. How are you doing? How is it going? Like, how are you feeling? The other thing that I think I want to empower coaches to remember is that, right, they might be limited physically, but maybe actually then that's a great opportunity for you to step in and do some mental exercises with them, you know? So while they're maybe recovering, (laughs) like how can you maybe engage them in a writing exercise about their injury or about what their goals are when they come back? What are their goals now? You know, like what is your goal for this week as you're trying to kind of nurse this injury? Like what does that look like for you? So the hour and a half that maybe they spent training and now they do like 30 minutes of foam rolling. I don't know. Does anybody foam roll for 30 minutes? I have no idea.
0: But like. (laughs) Only in really dire circumstances. (laughs) Just like book a massage. (laughs) Right. Maybe that extra
1: hour that now they have on their, like on their, you know. Available to them is spent doing some mental exercises that, by the way, they don't need a therapist for. Like coaches can be equipped to assign mental exercises. That is not therapy. Talking about, like, tell me about how your injury is impacting your sense of motivation. Why is that just a therapy question? It's not. A coach can ask it.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. pretty mind blowing, actually. Because
0: yeah. <laughs> I also, Go ahead, Caitlin. Sorry.
2: The one thing I was just going to say is like, I have so many athletes who are like, oh, you know, I don't really talk about this stuff with my therapist because they don't climb. They're not an athlete. They don't get it. And I'm like, i like, get a different therapist. (laughs) Right. Right. And we're, you know, we're over here kind of like, oh, I wish you had someone who understood you more, but you know, there's so many things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you know, there are people out there who, can help especially the people you're already working with the people who already know you the mm-hmm. people who are part yeah. of your team already I feel like usually one of my I don't love when this happens so I'm not saying it's favorite good but I love when something happens that shifts somebody in the middle of us working together where they're like I got injured something you know like something really big happened in my life and a lot of things changed and now I fell off the bandwagon now or I feel like I you know, I have to make a lot of changes and it's like, this is good. Like this is an opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about it from a totally different perspective than we had planned. But like, I'm still on your team. I'm still there for you. And I, you know, we can talk about it, but I, I think this is making me feel excited about like the future of coaching because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I want people to have therapists for different reasons and a lot of things that go on and I think it helps to have additional people on your team to support you but I really feel like there are just instances when maybe therapy is helpful if they're not a a climber or an athlete but it it, maybe it's helpful to be outside that scope for other things too but to have support in that scope that's yeah Yeah. yeah
0: I also something that I used to like feel kind of bad about as a coach that I'm now realizing is like maybe more okay. and I'm definitely curious to hear like your experience, Laura, like sometimes if an athlete like will ask me something, I'll have this urge to like tell them about a time that I dealt with something similar and Mm. like what I did to navigate it. But like, it's not like I want to spend a whole coaching call, like talking about my woes or whatever. But sometimes like, I thought that was like a bad thing. So I actually like stopped doing that for a while or like really tried to not but then I noticed like with my climbing coach some of them that I like obviously look up to as an athlete and as a coach and as a person too like there's a reason that I've been working with him for years um you know like I realized I loved it when he would tell me about times that he had a super hard time with something and Mm -hmm. like it made me feel a lot better when he would actually share those instances of times where he was like this felt really shitty and like I struggled with like all this frustration or like I went through this like setback and it's not like, Oh, I can't do this moves. Ki- like kind of like full on, like hard setbacks in climbing, just like similar to the ones that I was going through. And it felt so nice to just have someone be like, yeah, I've gone through this too. It was really shitty. Here's like how I dealt with it. Yeah. And like, that felt really good. And I'm like, that just feels like good mentorship to me. And maybe is like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. To, like, yeah. I mean, with think- with people,
1: Definitely. In the, like, you know, when I think about that in the context of therapy, like, that's called disclosure, right? And the therapist, you know, oftentimes therapists are taught, like, to be very careful of disclosure, right? Yeah. Um, and in other situations, it's, like, when disclosure is in the service of the client, disclosure is okay. Now, I've gotten, admittedly, like, a little bit away from that. Like, the institution of psychoanalysis, I think, was created by a white man who thought that, Shocking. you know, women were to serve men. So, you know, there's a little, like, well, we can toy around with this a little bit. Um, so I think, you know, from my perspective, like um, – I do think that's the most important thing. Like as a coach, if you want to share something about your experience, I think it has to be in service to the athlete, not just about like, ooh, let me jump in and tell you everything about me, right? Yeah. But I think what you're saying is exactly what your coach sounded like he did, which was was to share, to give you validation and knowledge that like, right, yes, I get it. I understand. And we as humans need that. Like we need – we need that familiarity. We need that empathy, um, and we want to feel connected. And, and I can tell you this wholeheartedly: whether I am working, and this is not, this is not sport specific. This is not gender specific. Like I have worked with PGA Tour members, NFL players, Olympic gymnasts, uh, like champion trail runners, like climbers. It is in every single sport. An athlete wants to connect with their coach. They want to even if they say like to your point earlier, Caitlin, like I just want you to write me a training plan. you want more than that. <laughs> like you do because yeah. you want me to see you as a human. You're
0: just not like a regular ass training plan from a book if you didn't want a human connection.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I think in that way, like in one dealing with injury, I think this is where like really the art of coaching steps in because you kind of have to read the room a little bit and be really in tune with like, what does my athlete need right now? Do they need, do they need the hopeful optimistic story? Or do they need me to sit in the sock? And this is why knowing your athletes are so important. Because if you've like never had a conversation with them and then all of a sudden they tell you that they've walked away with some kind of stress fracture and you're trying to figure out how to handle that with them, if you don't know them, that's going to be very difficult for you. So I think like, again, getting back to that human connection of why the coach is there, I think is really, really important.
0: Yeah. A quick PSA that I'll just kind of slide into this conversation um, as we talk about injuries and like, should you have a coach during them? Personally, like this is what I've seen there's like two things that you can kind of do. One, people will be like, no, I don't want to have a coach right now because I'm injured and like, I'm just going to do my own thing. And like, I don't want to pay for it right now. Like yada, yada, which is totally fair. Finance it, like money's real, all those things. But this is what usually happens. Then they come back to me. They're like, Lauren, I basically slid into a depression of no motivation. I did no coaching and all right. I did no training at all. I, did, I didn't I did even do like the bare minimum. It was bad and I wish I would have done something, but I didn't, and here I am, like, and now we have to start from a much different square than we would have started Mm. if whatever, Mm. which sucks. And I'm not saying you have to, like, full-on whatever, but, like, maybe just, like, having a – like, if you can do something minimal where you, like, have a coach, like, write you something that you can be doing – like I think that can be so helpful because the people that are like, mm-hmm. you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna like actually get a program from you while I'm injured. And by the way, I'm coaching like two different people right now. Like one gal like has to be climbing in a boot, um, and another mm-hmm. guy that I'm coaching like just uh, he broke he broke a bone in his foot, so he like literally like cannot we are just doing other random shit for like six weeks until he's allowed Mm -hmm. to be doing other stuff. But he was like, yeah, I know myself. If I don't have like something to keep me on track, I'm just like not going to do stuff while I do it. So like a good coach is going to be able to like adapt for stuff like that. And I just think as someone that's been injured before, like having something to do where I still feel like an athlete getting training sessions done, even though it might look very different from whatever it was, um, I think is so helpful.
1: Yeah. And I think to that point, Lauren, like, you know, when athletes move into an injury or experience an injury, they're they are more prone to like a depressed mood. I mean, just yeah. naturally speaking, like the dopamine hits, hits that they were getting, those are those gone. stop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's connection. And so, you know, the the, the goal isn't to make your athlete happy, the goal is to keep your athlete connected
0: yeah wow I think that's, wow, that's <laughs> yeah. So, so true although I do find I do tell people I'm like find a hobby I'm o- I'm always like morale <laughs> at least for me I don't know crochet. I would love to hear your opinion on this for me I'm always like how can we boost morale during this sure like, what can we do like I even like one one uh guy that I was coaching that's a good friend of mine like I was like, uh, I know that my friend really likes to get totally worked. And right now, he can't really do that. But you know what? He likes cardio. And even though maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense, I was like, please go to the pool. Swim until your heart's content. Wear yourself the fuck out in the pool because you are an athlete and you like to get worn out. But you just, like, can't do that in the ways that you normally do right now. So, yeah, yeah. I'm always, like, looking for morale boost. But, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah that's that's super helpful. Yeah. Caitlin, do you have any thoughts or things you want to add to? I also think that working on your nutrition when you're injured is a Amen. very smart use of your fucking time Amen. when you're injured. Yeah, that's actually- 10%. I
2: see so many people who will come to me and say, okay, I was working with this coach. I'm injured now, so I'm taking a break there. So now I'm investing in my nutrition because I think this is what got me there in the first place. I'm like,
0: bingo! Woo! Ooh, only me. you would have thought yeah. of this a year ago. <laughs> But,
2: <laughs> but <laughs> what's really cool about – That's so smart. I know. And it, it's cool, though, that when that happens, usually it's because a coach says, hey, I think, you know – Aside from like still having connection and and still being able to do something, maybe they give them something to do for a minute, a while, you know, however long they're recovering. But I more think more than a jiffy, more than a jiffy. Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a nice ribbon here at the oh. end of the episode. <laughs> but I think it's
2: it's really interesting to see, like, OK, they've already built this connection with this coach who cares enough to say, hey, you're injured maybe it's time to talk about nutrition. And I I think it Mm -hmm. makes Mm -hmm. my job a lot easier because I don't have to work through like, okay, are they ready? Like, is this a good starting point? It's almost like it gives them this platform to show up differently than maybe they would have otherwise. And they learn a lot along the way, but I feel like certainly with injuries and nutrition, I think that's one of the the missing links for a lot of athletes because it's you know I'd love to get ahead of it and be preventative but I think with yeah. you know maybe with I think athletes get the whole like disease prevention thing but it's the injury post you know post acute mm. stage they're mm. like ah now it's time whoops it is done mm. <laughs> yes yeah but
1: mm. and I think Caitlin to that point like I would really encourage because it, you know I get asked a lot like about like what do I do if I if I feel like an athlete is like not eating enough or like not serving mm-hmm. their body in a way mm-hmm. that like makes sense for them in regards to their training, and I think I, I really encourage coaches to lean in there.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: a lot of coaches get nervous about stepping in, into that arena because it can't it's scary and it can be scary, right? But it, and and I think a lot of coaches say like I don't know what to say, and. I usually say like listen, you do not need to bring your A game. A C game saves lives. Mm. So like stop worrying so much about like the perfect thing to say and just get in the pool. Yeah. Like get in with them. Ask them, be curious, be wondering. Have the referrals on hand. Like if you're nervous about that, I
0: think it's really really important to lean in. Yeah. Mm. This is a great tie into our next <laughs> Yes, Caitlin, Do I, you want uh, and I have a yeah. Oh, I have so many thoughts. I know. I (laughs) do too. Cause
2: I feel like with, especially when coaches are working someone so closely, I think Mm -hmm. they can really see themes and patterns. And I almost wonder sometimes if coaches like turn a blind eye or they're like, Oh, that's not what my responsibility is. But I wish more coaches would know the signs. I wish that they would be able to say, Hey, I think Mm -hmm. it would be worth talking to someone about this. Like let's, you know, have a conversation if you're comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I really wish that it would be something that could be more discussed because I think it is so stigmatized and people mm-hmm. maybe feel uncomfortable bringing it up, even if they see it as like a glaring issue. So, From your experience, what are some things that coaches can do to help athletes when maybe they suspect some disordered eating behaviors, uh, maybe Mm -hmm. poor body image, maybe, you know, maybe someone comes to a coach too with an already diagnosed eating disorder, but what are some ways that coaches can sort of bridge that gap and help them?
1: mm mm-hmm. Well, I always, I mean, I love the word curious. I've probably mm-hmm. said it, like, a bunch of times already. Love it. But I think one of the first things that a coach can do is put on their curious hat. Um, you know, like, t- t- tell me a little bit about, like, just, like, what a normal day of eating looks like for you. Like, what do you have for breakfast, lunch, mm-hmm. and dinner, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and what are you typically eating after training and before training? Um, you know, just to sort of start there and be curious. I think where coaches can sometimes struggle in this arena is in Virtual settings where they're not necessarily yeah. seeing their clients, um, mm-hmm. but I think like the other thing to ask about are things like fatigue. You know, like how tired are you most of the time? Can you focus? Can you concentrate? Yeah. Because there are a lot of like of, of symptoms of under fueling that are not just about like how your body looks. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I think that's the other thing that we have to be really careful of yeah. is assuming. Assuming what, what somebody is putting into their mouth based on how they look. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think it's really important to ask about like, you know, what, um, like, what, how well are you sleeping? You know, like those kinds of things. And what does focus and concentration look like for you? And how fatigued are you after the workouts? How far into the workout do you notice yourself getting tired? Um, And then to be really curious, like I said before, about their food structure. So I think those are all things to really be curious Mm -hmm. about. I think if a coach is, you know, suspecting um, disordered eating or um, under-fueling, to lean into that. And to say, I mean, with words, like, I'm worried that you are not giving yourself enough food, um, period, you know, and mm-hmm. then sort of see what happens. Um, or I'm worried that these consistent injuries have to do, have to do actually with fueling more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. And how would you feel? I know this great dietitian. How would you feel if I make an introduction? And then I think, too, like one thing that I always encourage coaches to do is to have a really great and robust roster of therapists and dietitians. And to your point earlier, therapists that have worked with athletes before and dietitians that have worked with athletes before. Right. And to help make the introduction for them. So not to be like, here's their email and their phone number. Let me know how it goes. But to say, like, would you mind if I made the introduction? And then you email them with both CC'd and say, hey, Dr. Pence, I've got somebody who I think could do some really great work with you. We're not sure what's going on. I'll let Caitlin take it from here. You know, whatever it is. Like, I think that is, again, it's like empowering the coaches to step up to that position and that power that they have and use it for good. Um, So I think those are some things that coaches can do.
0: That is so like just the making the introduction, like removing the like, oh do I reach out? Do I not? Like removing that, so they aren't having to like completely take the first set, step. You know, it's like almost like holding yeah. their hand through the first step is yeah. so nice. Yeah. I have a follow up question for both of you, honestly, because I like really struggle with like what. To, yeah, I just like awkward turtle my way through some of these interactions that I want <laughs> to like have a <laughs> like. I yeah, because okay, in real life, when someone makes like. A comment about their weight like whether it's a friend or like a family member or anyone I'm always like "Eh." and I just like don't know what to say like whether whatever the hell they said is like objectively true or not I'm always like I don't know what to say I don't know what a good thing to say in this situation is I don't know why you're saying this like I just feel like I don't know I feel very uncomfortable and I wish I could like do more with it or just like have a more productive response so like let's say because I've had athletes like this will happen all the time where an athlete will be like I was injured or like insert life thing that happened and like I have put on x amount of weight since like we worked together or last or like since then and I feel like some type of way about it and like frankly I'm like your weight aside like we still have like a lot of other stuff to worry about and like usually I'm like not that concerned about it Mm -hmm. I'm like you know I'm just like I just am like we have so much other shit to tackle I'm like we got to work on your footwork and we got to like build strength and if like this is the happy place that your weight needs to be at then like that's fine but like what do you recommend in those situations where maybe someone's like I don't know I can't and sometimes I'm like are you do you want me to engage with this do you want me to like ignore this do you want me to like reassure you I just like really can't tell and yeah like I don't know what's your advice for like being more productive and curious in an appropriate like non-shaming way around Uh like conversations like this because I am stumped (laughs) I have some thoughts but Caitlin do you want to go first
2: yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say what I do and then I'd love to hear what you say. Cause sometimes <laughs> I still get really tripped up on this too, especially when my nutritionist hat is not on. I'm like, you know, I'll hear a family member yeah. say, like, oh, I really need to lose weight. And I'm like,
0: uh uh-huh. mm, like it's and you're like, There's a lot to unpack. I know, I'm right like, now. I'm not okay, gonna unpack it. I'm not working right now.
2: Um, but I feel like for Backing me, up. yeah. <laughs> I I tend to ask a lot of questions because for me I try to understand where those comments are coming from like is it a deep-seated belief that someone has in terms of like their perception of self or I try to understand like is there something that's like poking that bear to come out more because okay I I don't necessarily know like if someone says oh I've put on a lot of weight do they want to talk about it okay, maybe, maybe it's something that they actually just wanted to like put out there. And then they want to talk about, okay, that's valid, but here are some other things that like, let's be focused on or, or other things that we could address or could talk about. Um, but sometimes I feel like too, it's, it feels really rehearsed in the athletic space. So I try to figure out like, okay, well, what, you know, when, when was a time that you felt really good? When was a time that you, you know, felt, good in your body what was different from now has anything happened and I try mm-hmm. to just have that open conversation I guess to your point Lara, with being curious maybe more than anything mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if I don't have that background or the awareness of where some of those thoughts or comments are coming from I, I find it challenging to know what to say what to ask next and mm-hmm. I think sometimes too there isn't like a thing I can say to soothe it's kind of like just Mm -hmm. asking questions to help them think about it more before I can really like come in with suggestions Yeah.
0: yeah it's like would you literally ask like especially sometimes I'll get this like in like a intake form or like in a text message you know kind of thing and that feels like even harder to respond to but like would you even ask just like do you want to talk about it more or is that more of just like a something you wanted to share but you don't want to like engage with that further and like that seems like it could be a decent place to start but yeah like Laura what yeah Caitlin that's super helpful by the way I really appreciate that that makes Mm -hmm. a ton of sense Laura Mm -hmm. what are what how would you answer that question well I
1: think so I'm kind of thinking about it like in two different ways like one is if you if you if if in the Context or circumstance where you're worried about an athlete who you mm-hmm. think might be under fueling or have disordered eating, and they are talking about body image a
0: lot. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. In that context, I think equally to like what Caitlin said, I would be really curious. Like, it sounds like this is something that's of like a really deep concern to you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and then I would bring it back to fueling and ask, you know, like, do you, you know, how do you feel, do you feel like you're fueling enough? Do you feel like you're fueling too much? Like, how is that, how is, how do you feel like your relationship with food is right now? Mm. Um, if it's in, if it's, you know, somebody is like, I feel like I've put on so much weight. I think one of the things that I encourage coaches to do is to ask like, um, how is that, how do you feel like that's impacting your goals right now to kind of like Mm. jump right over it? Um, And to, and, or to, (laughs) because like, you know, when I, when I work with clients who, because for a very long time, like my specialty was eating disorders and, um and so like clients would come back from treatment or, you know, or maybe even working with a dietitian and they'd just be like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I just feel so big. And I would jump right over that guy and I'd be like, and what are you worried about? you know like what about that is hard for you and like just kind of not not validate or invalidate or it just kind of go to the next let's go to the next question
0: um yeah because i it's, think it's the, yeah cuz kind of like that's not the point that's right
1: and they and the thing is like um unconsciously that's true for them but the big red shiny object is my body Right. Like this, it's, it's, I want to talk about this. And also, it's wildly socially acceptable to talk about our bodies. Oh my like, God. We just yes. love talking about And shit on them. The it's like very yes.
0: socially acceptable to just be so rude. Yeah, to and our it's, bodies. A, it's
1: sadly like a way of people connecting you know mm-hmm. like to to say like this negative thing about the, and then let me compare it like you know it's like all that, that mean
0: stuff. girl scene they're like what's <laughs> right. wrong yes and she's just like right. uh, my nail beds are weird nail <laughs> <laughs> what'd she say she's <laughs> like she's like i think my nails are really weird or something yeah. and i was like yeah, yeah, oh caddy yeah. heron
1: yeah. <laughs> like, yeah so i think it's like from like if 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 it's a athlete that you're working with that you're worried about then I think it's like an approach to kind of lean in and like Mm -hmm. like it sounds like this is really concerning to you and it's actually concerning to me too like I'm wondering like you know how that's impacting what you're doing and yada 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 and how's your mood been how are you feeling um but I also think that like if it's about if it's about sort of weight gain or like, you know, um, someone's been sedentary after a while or for an injury or for whatever reason and and feeling just uncomfortable in their body, um, Mm -hmm. I kind of like to just jump right over it and kind of go to the next question. Not, again, you're not ignoring it, but you're making meaning with it to the next question. Like, yeah. how do you think that's impacting you on the wall? Or what about that is like showing up for you when you're running? Like to mm-hmm. try and have them make meaning of it more than just like my body's not grouse.
2: Right. Yeah. It's like you so... kind of jump past the narrative where you're like, okay, well. Yes, Caitlin. Yes. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's like what Who behavior cares? is precipitating what? from yeah. this thought? <laughs> and then how can yeah. we like work on the, like, you know, if it's like, well, I'm on the wall. And then I'm just like thinking about how I don't like how my calves look and it's just like okay well when you're on the wall you should fucking think about rock climbing so like let's practice that <laughs> like right. you know right. like mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's so smart wow I feel a lot more empowered already <laughs> podcasting and learning at the same time this is for us uh,
2: surprise this no is for, I, I, yeah, I surprise. feel like <laughs>
0: this is an elaborate ploy um <laughs> I
2: feel like it's it is helpful to hear though because you know when people come to me like I don't I don't treat eating disorders I more Mm -hmm. so come when they're already in recovery just because I feel like that's I feel like that's not my area of expertise even though I have the personal experience I just feel like there's initial work that perhaps someone else like you Laura could do I mean way better than I can but I feel like having having that awareness that your coach can like look out for you and can also make a suggestion just to be like, Hey, I'm concerned about this. I feel like that is something that, you know, even myself as an athlete, I wish that I had felt comfortable with a coach to talk about different things because in the past when I've been coached by people, if I had, if they had asked me a question, I maybe would have said, oh, my coach realizes this too. Like, I think I would like to address this in a, a different space, maybe with a nutritionist, a dietitian, yeah. mm-hmm. a mental health professional. Um, you know, I think that those are things that we just, maybe it, when we talk about like holistic coaching, it's still so new and such a, a, a nuanced concept that I think we forget that as people who work with athletes, we have the opportunity to, you know, help, help them in a lot of different areas, even if their goal is to perform, get stronger, they can still come out the other side and still be who they are as a person and as an athlete.
1: Yeah. And I'll say uh, to piggyback off of that, like, I think one of the things that I hear so often from coaches is just like, I just don't know what to say. Like, what do I say? Like they want like, a like w- w- real words in a script. And I understand the concrete desire for that but your athletes are much more going to remember how you made them feel than what you ever said.
2: Like Mm. the coaches
1: that have been the most powerful coaches in my life, I can't tell you a thing they said to me, but I can definitely tell you how they made me feel. They made me feel like I belonged. Mm. They made me feel like I could do anything. They made me feel like I mattered, you know, like those things. So when you want to lean in to an athlete out of concern, worry less about exactly what's going to come out of your mouth and worry more about the safety and the space that you're creating to make them feel
0: 100 yeah. percent. yeah i feel well like- <laughs> that was fire i feel like we have to like we had more questions but i think we just we're gonna have to have a dr laura the sequel episode <laughs> frankly so like uh, in, a, yeah, jiffy. Maybe, in yes. a jiffy yes we'll have our uh yes we'll get our we'll, i don't know we'll probably compile some audience Q and I don't know we got to do another one yeah (laughs) yeah yeah.
1: you ladies are delightful
2: thank you for having me oh my gosh you're delightful yes thank you Um, so much I feel like I learned so much I'm like coach coach coaches collected yeah I'm about to Um, go like change my whole intake form
0: (laughs) 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 yeah um that no this has been so helpful and athletes um and climbers that are listening to this I hope this helps you like look for coaches that you know like feel you I hope it helps you feel like you can hold like coaches to a higher standard yes. <laughs> almost. Um, or like yeah. look for people that like want to, you know, maybe this opens your eyes to like being coached in a different way. And also hopefully this helps you realize that like, we're not joking when we say you're a whole ass person. And that's like really important when figuring out your own programming for yourself, if you're like writing it for yourself or figuring out your own nutrition, like treating yourself like a human being and not a climbing robot is like actually extremely important. Um, and don't forget that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Dr. Laura, could, would you like to tell people um, how they can work with you and where they can find you and all the things?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, I'm on the gram. Really. <laughs> the Instagram. B yeah, Instagram. Doctor, at Dr. Lara Pence. Laura is just L-A-R-A, not L-A-U-R-A. Um, and then if you're a coach, nutrition coach, dietitian, mental health performance coach, sport coach, training coach, programming coach, um, and you are interested in kind of leveling up in those arenas, I encourage you to check out the Coaches Collective on my website. We've got a new round coming, starting in January gonna be an eight-week intensive. You have to like all coaches have to apply. Um and it's not like uh you're in or you're out kind of thing. It's like, are you the right fit for this cohort? And then if not, then will I re- kind of roll you over to the next one. Um and so yeah. So if you're a coach and you're interested in that, you can go to my website at drlapence.com.
0: Sweet. And then there's so just cool. a little tab that says coaches. coaches. So just click that. It's very easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Awesome. Okay anything anything else you want to tell people about oh wait how if you're a so if you're an athlete that wants to work with you your website is oh the best. yeah just
1: email me i'm like okay. a real person so like just reach out <laughs> and email, I'll email you
0: back, back. <laughs> okay amazing <laughs> we'll put we'll put all of this in the show notes so if you want to email um if you want to email laura just do it um okay. for any of my athletes that are like wow i think i could use some help with some things um one a of all i want to help you but two like if this is speaking to you like go talk to laura yeah because we, whatever she says <laughs> i'm happy to support it and like yeah, yeah i love team laura get. <laughs> yeah we're team laura Aww. yeah i love it when people have like a whole team of people so this is great okay well yes, this has been too. so fun i definitely have more things that i want to ask you that we didn't even get to in our outline so we'll we'll just have to have you back because i'm excited so this is awesome thank
1: you i love what you all are doing this has been a rad likewise well, i
0: I, I am thrilled well hopefully we'll all somehow get to climb together At some point, since yeah, Laura, is it? Do you ever do? Do you only do virtual, Laura, or do you do like if people are like in Fort Collins, do you do in person at all? Um,
1: I have, I, I only do virtual. Like, I have had some clients like come to my house, you know, and we do like a session here. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't have an office. Like, okay, you know, when I moved to Fort Collins, I abandoned that life.
2: I feel no more
0: yeah, clinics that totally that, <laughs> yeah yeah. Exactly. yeah like no more i don't want to pay rent there okay yeah sweet. no more, more. overhead I, yeah um caitlin i guess we should probably tell people i don't know when this episode's coming out i think it's coming out in like i don't know but caitlin do you want to remind me i think it's coming out in january um i don't know what i'll be doing in Jan- I vaguely know caitlin do you want to remind people of anything <laughs> uh
2: you know without speaking out of you know out of uh out of turn here with with things that I have going on I'm just gonna say if you need nutrition support show notes that's where you go for me that's
0: if yeah, <laughs> anything's going say. on it'll be in the show notes um yeah as for me um I think I will still be booked up on custom plans I don't think I will be opening up custom plan spots until February um so just get on the wait list for that if you want to work with me one-on-one uh, or with a custom plan and then Yeah, I always have self-guided programs on my website. So you can go to my website for those. um, And then definitely find Laura when, if, and when you need her, um, whether you're a coach or an athlete. Sick. Okay. Well, all the things will be in the show notes. Um, Thank you so much, everyone for listening. And until next time, keep it it average. average.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin here. Whether you're a coach or not, we hope you learned some valuable lessons from Dr. Lara about leveraging how you think to shift your mindset. Now, I'll close us out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. Do you wanna feel like a well-fueled rock star instead of a nutrition burnout? I've got your back. If you're ready to stop procrastinating about getting your nutrition together and start making changes that will last, I've got what you need. You can learn more about my programs at www.caitlinholmes.com. And if you're done with wondering what to do when you go to the gym and you're excited to start training like you mean it, then check out the suite of Good Spray training programs. Learn more at www.goodsprayclimbing.com. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Caitlin, and my co-host Lauren. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and Lauren on her Instagram over at Good Spray Coaching. Editing for this episode was done by Lauren Abernathy. The music for this episode was created by Devin Dabney. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com to learn more about the other shows on this network.